Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. One, yeah, there we go. Yep, hope everybody's doing all right. And um, well, it's it's Father's Day, so yeah, thank you, thank you for that. <clears throat> it's Father's Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. How many of you are going to eat with your dad sometime today? Like today, you're going out to eat sometime today. Good, I am. How many of you did this yesterday? Went out to eat with your dad yesterday. Good. Awesome. Um, I'm going out to eat with my dad this afternoon in Greensboro, so looking forward to that and um, seeing him this afternoon. And so uh, that's what we're doing. Um, How many of you are grilling as fathers for your family? Doing a barbecue grill? Nobody? Wow. Wow. Did your dad grill? He's going to today? Yeah. So he's going to today. Yeah. I don't I don't really mind grilling on Father's Day because, you know, I like to grill. I like to grill. And, and so, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, uh, steak of any flavor on the grill, any flavor's fine. I do like filet, which is up here, but anything else is fine. New York strip would be fine with me, whatever. I just like to grill, tenderize it, put some stuff on it, you know, make it what it needs to be. I have a nice grill, you know, that I grill on. Yeah, right? And so I, I really enjoy the times where my, my daughter and my son are home and I get to grill and we all eat together. Really above any other gift on Father's Day because, you know, the ties are okay, right? The bookmarks are all right, right? <clears throat> the other little things that you get are, are just fine, but it doesn't equal like your children being home and you eating a meal with your children and being able to talk to them. Most of the time I watch them, what I do now. It, has anybody else grown to, the age, like, to their age in their relationship with their kids where it's mostly just watching them now? It's just watching what they're doing and how they interact. Yeah, that's kind of, kind of nice to have. But nonetheless, yeah, Father's Day. Um, when, when Aurora and Quinn were born... Something happened that I didn't expect, and this is it. A piece of my heart went out from me into them. So if they're in a room somewhere, I'm looking at a piece of my heart walking around the room. If I go to Lynchburg, Virginia, I'm interacting with a piece of my heart that lives in Lynchburg, Virginia, and it's not something that I can take back inside of myself. It's always there. Um, I don't have grandkids because I'm not old enough, Nathan, to have grandkids. (laughs) Um, <clears throat> you are, so I don't know how the grandkids <laughs> would, would fit into all that, but it's, it's something, you, your heart, a piece of your heart is there. And for me, those are the two most valuable people in the entire world. I mean, I love Nicole. Nicole loves me. I, I think she's also valuable. She thinks I'm valuable as well, so it, it's nothing like that. But, but they, those are two very valuable people to our hearts, right, is our children. So with that said... Um, I'm going to talk to you this morning about seven things that Proverbs teaches us as parents that we should be passing on to our children. 
So that's what we're doing this morning. And so let's start with um, Proverbs chapter 10. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 10. And we'll start there with verse 4. Proverbs chapter 10. Seven points, just in case you're doing the math out there. Seven points at three minutes apiece is 21 minutes. Four would be 28. Five, no, we're not going to continue. <laughs> yeah, so here we go. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 says this. A slack hand causes poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. The first thing that a parent that I'm going to talk about that a parent should pass on to their kids is hard work. Hard work. I think that we need more of that in America today. Parents passing on this concept that work is okay. And work is how you supply for your needs, meet your needs, right? And you need to work hard in order to succeed in this life. Work hard. And Proverbs all the way through talks about passing on to your children the benefits of working hard in this life to be successful. So you, you work hard. Um, we, we have way too, many, way too many people who don't work hard. They just don't work hard. They're not, they're not at it. They're not going for it. They're not being successful. And parents need to instill this sort of principle into their kids. Now, the reason I, I picked these two verses is several reasons. First of all, it says a slack hand causes poverty. A slack hand. This means that this isn't a person that is inactive. They are active. They're just slack in their activity. So, when we're passing on this concept of hard work to our children, one of the things that we pass on is when you go to a job or you do something in this life, whether it's school, working at McDonald's, whether it's mowing the yard, whether it's cleaning your room, whether it's some other career activity, you do that particular job at 100% of your ability. You don't slack off and do, just do it halfway right? You, you do it at 100% of your ability because people that do that are the people that are successful in this life, right? That's what they do. So I know that we've, we've all experienced workers that worked at less than 100%. I'm not picking on McDonald's, but McDonald's is one of the places that you encounter some people that don't do their job to 100%. Like even now, they've kind of given it to where they don't even need to come up front to even talk to you. They have the big iPhones back here that you can make your order with, right? I just want to go in there sometime. If I could do this without anybody around me, but then somebody would have to film it. But nonetheless, I would just like to sit there and put my ear up to it and say, yeah, mom, yeah, I'm here at McDonald's eating. I would just love to sit talking and just see how people reacted. But yeah. Probably not the best idea, but nonetheless, I think it would be funny. 
But anyway, yeah, so you, you order, so you don't, they don't even have to come up. In fact, when you go to McDonald's now, the last couple of times I've been there, you can stand at the counter and people just don't come up to take your order. You just kind of stand there. They're worried about their drive through They're doing some other things. Some of them aren't doing anything at all, right? And so McDonald's is sometimes where you, where you encounter this. This does not mean that there isn't people at McDonald's that aren't giving 100% at that job, because there are. But every now and then you just walk in and you're like, oh my goodness, what is this? The other day, um, we were somewhere in Georgia on the way down to our vacation. And we stayed at a place overnight and we went to Walmart. And my daughter needed a new phone case for her phone so that she could put her driver's license on the back of it, like the little attachment on the back of it to put her driver's license and stuff in. So we're in Walmart. They are very, very proud of the phone cases in Walmart that are $9.99. $9.99. And this thing is chained to the thing right here. And I'm thinking, if someone needs a case that bad, wow, wow. So, so we waited a good 15 minutes and nobody came. So I went to the customer service, and I was very nice when I did this. I went to the customer service, and I said, look, here's what's about to go down. I've been waiting about 15 minutes. It's now 20. And I have figured out how to get the case I need for my daughter's phone off your little contraption. So I don't know if there's going to be an alarm. I don't know if there's going to be some sort of sound. I don't know if there's security that are going to come out very quickly that would be much faster than your customer service. <laughs> but I'm going back there, and I'm going to rip the thing off of the, off of the thing because we've got to get to a boat. We've, we've got to get to our vacation. And the lady said, are you sure you want to do that? And I said, absolutely, because I've waited a long time. So I went back and I actually ripped it off their little contraption and got it out and took it up to the, to the counter with the chain on it <laughs> to, to pay for this thing, right? That's, that's what I did. The point here is there should have been somebody in the area that had already helped me out 20 minutes earlier. Somebody was not doing their job to 100% of their ability. They did not take their position that day very, very seriously. By the way, on my way back, on my way to pay for the thing, I was met by the technician that was supposed to be back in that area. And she said, um, do you need any help? And I said, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. But to our children, we need to pass on this concept that when you go to a job, you do that job to 100% of your ability. And when you do something for people, you do it to 100% of your ability. If you ask your child to clean up their room and they do it halfway, you tell them to go back and do it again. That's what you do. Because what the world needs is people that are really working and they want to be there. And what your children need to be successful is to have that same sort of worth ethic. We are way too lazy, I think. And it has creeped in to, to our environment. Last part of this says, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Rich. That means the, the hand of the diligent is one that goes in that says, this is the job. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to learn everything I can about this job so that I can do it to the best of my ability. So that's what those verses mean. But then verse five says, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, 
but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. This particular thing is about opportunity. See, when the crops are ready in the summer, you go out and you get them and you bring them in. You don't wait until the fall. There's a lot of people that are not seizing the opportunities that are right in front of them. They're waiting and they're missing them. The opportunity was here, and by the time that they get their stuff going enough to even grab a hold of it, the opportunity has left, and they're trying to grasp at something that's no longer there. So you teach your children that you always are prepared to grab a hold of the opportunities that come your way. And the way that you do that is you prepare for the opportunity before it happens. We have a concept in around today that says that, you know, the opportunity comes and then you prepare for it. That is not success. Success is when your preparation meets the opportunity and you seize the moment. That's what you do. So you pass that on to your children. You say, look, you've got to do this now. You've got to get going here. And you push and you push and you push because what you want in your heart of hearts is for them to be successful. Proverbs says over and over and over again, you pass on a good work ethic to your kids, a good work ethic. And I'll tell you this, it starts with the parents. The parents have to have a good work ethic. They need to show their children what it looks like to do things at 100%. Does this make sense? You don't just lay back, you don't just relax, you don't just let things slide, you don't just do that. You get on the job, you do it, you get it accomplished, and you move on to your next thing. So, there you go. There's number one. All right, here's number two. There's a benefit to correction. There's a benefit to correction. Just turn a page over to uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, and this is what it says. I'm just going to read the first part of this. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Now, in Proverbs, it talks about disciplining your kids a lot. Spare the rod, you do not love your child. If you spank and discipline your child, you love your child. It's over and over and over and over in in Proverbs. Here it's saying, he who loves discipline loves knowledge. What your children need to know is there's some value in discipline. There's some value in discipline. There's some value in the tension of you might be disciplined if you do the wrong thing. There's some value in that. Sometimes that keeps kids from doing the wrong thing. So there's some value in discipline. Now, I just, I know this is going to be recorded, but we, we spanked our children. We spanked Aurora and we spanked Quinn. It wasn't all the time. We spanked them. So let me pause here a moment to say this. There's a difference between a disciplined spanking and a beating. I am not talking about a beating. I'm talking about a spanking that is for correction. You love them. You're not trying to really hurt them, but they need to feel some pain because they did something wrong. Okay? And so what what I did, and I think Nicole did the same thing. I was really never around when she spanked the kids. But what I did was I would sit... Quinn down, I'll just use him because he's here today, and I would say, Quinn, um, I'm going to have to spank you, and this is something that I don't want to do. We are at this point today because you have made some choices to bring us to this moment. So let's make this a one-time deal. Let's not do this again tomorrow. 
Let's not do this again next week. Let's try our best to avoid this particular situation at all costs. But it's really up to you. You chose to do this. This is the punishment for it. So after this, let's let this just be a one-time deal. That teaches kids that one, discipline, you're not just hitting them just, because, just to hit them, right? But it teaches them that there's consequences to choices that you make. And sometimes bad choices to consequences, to bad consequences to choices that you make. People in our society need to at some level understand this. If you don't do it in the home, it gets worse later. Of course, the way that our society is going, I don't know if they're going to call people out on stuff that they're doing wrong anyway sometimes. There are places in America where you can steal a certain amount of money, a certain amount of stuff from Walmart and be just fine with it. That is absolutely ridiculous, right? But you need to understand this. Let's back up from that. We need to understand that if we do not discipline our kids and teach them that there are consequences to actions, good consequences and bad consequences, someone else in society will teach them. And it might be the little cars with the blue lights on them. Don't let that happen. That is not something that you want for your child. Discipline them. Teach them that discipline is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It is a way that we learn how to live correctly and we stay away from future things that could be very, very harmful to our life and make us unsuccessful. So, second one. You need to correct them. Here's the third one. (laughs) Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. This isn't a common one that you would often think of in parenting, but this is something that you need to teach your kids. You need to teach your kids to fear the Lord. Here's a couple of verses with that. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I would submit to you this morning, even though this is number three, the number one thing you need to pass on to your kids is a healthy fear of God. A healthy fear of God. He is real. A healthy fear. And that is the beginning of knowledge. Without the fear of the Lord, you cannot have knowledge. Proverbs will even go one step further and say you can't even have wisdom unless you fear the Lord. You have to fear him. You have to respect him. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here's the next verse, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. If you really want insight in this life, you find it in the fear of the Lord and his word. That's where you find insight. He gives you the wisdom that you need to sort through everything that's happening in this life. Here's the next one. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 20 says, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Now, this is more of a general statement than it is a, like a, like a, like this always happens this way. Because you and I have known people that were good people that died early. Right? We've known people. We've known some wicked people that lived a long time. In fact, if you read through Ecclesiastes, um, that's one of the tensions there. The wicked seem to be prospering and the righteous don't seem to be prospering. But generally speaking, the fear of the Lord prolongs life in the fact that when you fear the Lord and you live the correct way, you have a better life and a longer life. Generally speaking, that happens. Doesn't always happen, but it does happen. So the fear of the Lord, when you pass that on to your kids, you're actually helping them prolong their life. And when you and I live in the fear of the Lord, we're actually prolonging our own lives as well. 
So the fear of the Lord prolongs life. Here's the next one. The fear of the Lord has, has strong confidence. Everybody in here, no matter how tough you seem on the outside, you're a little bit insecure on the inside. Everybody in this room. The toughest person that you know in this room is just slightly insecure on the inside, right? I'm saying slightly because I don't want them to beat me up. (laughs) When you fear the Lord, it brings confidence inside your soul. It takes that insecurity and it makes you confident in the way that you're living and the way that you're going about things. The fear of the Lord brings, has a strong confidence. It helps your children through life. Here's the next one. Better is a little fear with the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. You can have everything this world has to offer and have a bunch of trouble. But if you have the fear of the Lord, just a little bit of that is worth it. It's better than any treasure that you can possibly have. Any treasure you can possibly have. So in this sense, fear for us, should mean that we want to submit to God and what he wants us to do, right? We want to submit to him. The second thing the fear of the Lord does is it helps us live correctly when our parents aren't around. See, one of the main, main goals of a parent is to teach your kid what is the right thing to do and what the wrong thing to do, Right? And we talked about discipline just a little bit earlier where we teach them the right thing to do and then we discipline them if they don't do the right thing. But more important than, than that, which is very important, one step up from that is to teach your kids a healthy fear of the Lord. And you start with this, God is everywhere and he's watching you. He's watching you when I don't know where you are, when I'm can't find you on my phone when I don't know where you are. God is still with you. He knows exactly where you are, and he knows what what you are doing. God the Father is gracious. He's merciful, but he's also somebody not to be trifled with. So when you have your private moments where nobody else is around, a fear of the Lord helps you do the right thing even though nobody else is around you. You know he's there you know he's watching. Because let's be honest, your children act differently around you than they do when they're not around you. Now, they might be good kids. I'm not saying that they're bad kids. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when they walk into your house, there's a different set of rules. There's a different set of morals, right, that they, they live by. And your hope is that when they leave your house, that they will actually keep the same rules, right? But that does not always happen. This doesn't always happen. What causes that to happen isn't the rules that you put into place right here, but if you imparted a healthy fear of the Lord to your children and they understand that he is real, and you push them toward a viable relationship with him. If they walk out of your home knowing that God is real, knowing that he is their best friend, knowing that he is their father, knowing knowing that he's always around, there's more of a chance for them to do the right thing when you're not around than if you didn't pass that on to them. So you pass on a healthy fear of God to them. Listen, I, there isn't anybody that I'm more scared of than God. Nobody. 
And there's some accountability that I have in my life that I know I'm going to have to answer for. Some things I don't even know I'm going to answer for, right, one day when he asks me about it. That alone should keep you where you need to be. Here's how Oswald Chambers put it. He wrote a book called My Utmost for Isaias. He says this, The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Everything else. So teach them to fear the Lord. All right. Number four. It matters who you hang around. <laughs> it matters. It matters who you hang around. Proverbs is filled with verses that says, do not hang around fools. Proverbs is filled with verses that say, do not hang around violent people. Did you know that in Proverbs chapter 1, there's a gang? There's a gang. I don't know if they had Hebrew stuff, you know, I don't know how they wrote it on themselves, how they tattooed themselves. But in Jerusalem and in, in Judea in that area, there was, there was some gangs. And these gangs would lie in wait for people as they traveled from city to city. And they would jump on them and cause them harm and steal all their stuff. And the first chapter of Proverbs is the father telling the son, do not get messed up in a gang. In fact, if you read it a certain way, it's telling you not to make the gang your family. It's amazing how things don't change, right? And so the thing to pass on to your kids is, look, you don't need to be around people that are violent. You don't need to be around people that are foolish with their life choices. You do not need to hang around people that are not walking with God. And that means that me, as a parent, has to hang around people that are walking with God. It is not that I'm not trying to interact with people that do not know Jesus, because I'm called to reach them, reach people that do not know Jesus. That's a totally different thing. But the people that I spend my close time with, that I hang out with, that I do activities with, need to be godly people. And your ch- you need to pass that on to your children. It makes a big difference. Makes a big difference. I feel like that my children have chosen some very good friends in their life. They've been over to our house. We know them very well. Um, I do not know my, my kids' friends that much at college. I'm just assuming that they're the same type of friends, you know, that are, that are good friends. But it is, it is a blessing to know that your kids are hanging around the right sort of people. And you have to pass that on to them or they are people that they hang around will mess them up. Right? They'll mess them up. So here's the next thing. Pursue a godly spouse. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Pursue a godly spouse. A spouse will make or break you. They will make or break you. And Proverbs has verse after verse after verse about what a godly man is and a wise man is. So if you're a woman looking for a man because that's what you're supposed to do, you look at those verses and say, look, I'm looking for somebody that's wise. This is my criteria. And if you're a guy, you read through the book of Proverbs and you pay special attention to the women that the father that wrote this tells the son to stay away from because they're bad news. And then you continue to read through the book of Proverbs, especially Proverbs 31, to look for the woman that you really want to marry. That's your criteria for who you should marry. So 
yeah, you pass on, please, please marry a good spouse. It will make or break you. Here's the next one. Pursue strong relationships. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 10, it says, Don't forsake your friend or your father's friend. Better is a neighbor who is near than one who is far away. Um, Friendships are a must in this life. A must. It is very difficult to find people that can be your close friends. Right? It's very difficult. You can have acquaintances. You can have people that you're friendly with. You can have people that you're friend with. But to actually have people that you're really close with, that really care about you as much as you care about them, is hard to find. And when you find those people, you hold on to those people. You grab a hold of those people. And you stick with those people. A couple of things we need to understand about those people. They're imperfect. So there's going to be times where they hurt you. But that doesn't mean that you break up the relationship because of it. Are you with me? doesn't mean that. It means you work it through. What I've found is in friendships of mine that's had tension and we work through them, we're better on the other side and closer friends than we were before is what happens. So you pass on to your friends to say, look, look for just a couple people to be really close friends with and make them your close, tight, knit group that you spend the rest of your life with. It's very important. They're the ones... By the way, I know Jesus helps us out, but it's been my experience that Jesus helps me through my friends. He gives me encouragement through my friends. He gives me strength through my friends, and that, that's an amazing thing. And here's the last one. And I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 for this one. Proverbs 25, verse 8. <clears throat> well, verse uh, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken in two and left without walls. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to pass on to our children, I don't care how old they are, that they need to be in control of themselves. We live in a world where people are not in control of themselves. They do not exhibit a lot of self-control. And Proverbs is very clear that if, you, if a man without self-control is a man that's open to all kinds of attacks and open to all kinds of weaknesses, and it's a man that isn't structured, we need to teach self-control. Yesterday, um, my father-in-law and I and, and Nicole and, of course, Quinn and, and Janet, we went to see a movie. I'll tell you the movie we went to see. It might not be your cup of tea. We went to see the Transformers movie, the new Transformers movie. And as I was sitting in the theater, there was an um, advertisement on the screen, and it was a boy, <clears throat> a little boy, and the batteries had ran out of his game controller, and he pitched a living fit right there on the big screen. So the solution for the commercial was to get, for the mom to get Duracell batteries and quickly put them into the controller and then hand them back to her son. And when the son got the controller, he whimpered a little bit and was just fine. That was the end of the commercial. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not teaching your kids self-control. Right, I wish I could 
rewrite that whole, that whole commercial. And it would go something like this. Excluding the little yank him up and spanked his little bottom. Explaining that this is not the way that we act. Second little step over here is, all right, son, guess what? There are no batteries until you calm down. There are no batteries until you calm down. I'm not going in the drawer to get the Duracell batteries. I'm going to sit right here, and when you calm down, I will fix your problem. Because screaming about it does not fix problems. There's a a video series on YouTube. If you look it up, I hope you find the right one. I don't know if there's wrong ones, but there's this video little series. It's like three of them. They're wholesome. So if you find ones that aren't wholesome, your pastor didn't watch those. Okay? <clears throat> but what it is, is it's a guy, it's the same guy, and everybody understands the Incredible Hulk, right? And he's in a situation, it's a tense situation, and he's, about, he's getting angry, and he says, you're not going to like me when I'm angry. And so his eyes turn green, and then he starts convulging like this and starts changing, and it flips to where he turns into Karen. Yeah. Now, if your name is Karen in the room, I'm not talking about you, okay? But it's a Karen. It's that monster Karen, and she goes after it. She says this, this, and this, and she acts just like a Karen. It's amazing. And then when she gets her way, she turns back into the guy is what happens. Listen, every time you let your kid pitch a fit and you don't teach them self-control, you are turning them into a Karen, Come on. And Proverbs says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Unsuccessful, can't control themselves, always trying to get their way, but never getting anywhere with all the energy that they're expending. Teach your kids self-control. Teach them self-control. The culture needs you to teach your kids self-control, and your children definitely need it. The first step in teaching your kids self-control is to make sure that you have self-control. If you're the one always getting angry inside your house and pitching to fit, and and you're not in control of yourself, you're not going to be able to pass that on to your children. You have to be the first people to be in control of yourself before you can pass that on. other people. I'll end with this. Go back to, go in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. We looked at this a little bit earlier. Fourteen, verse 26. And uh, this is what it says. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. We talked about that a little bit earlier. But check out the rest of this verse. And his children will have a refuge. See, when you as a parent live like you're supposed to in the fear of the Lord, you're a refuge for your children. And I would submit to you this morning that not only are you a refuge for your children while you're still here on this earth, you're also a refuge to them once you pass on into glory. They remember how you lived 
And when they hit a tough time, they will remember how dad got through it, how mom got through it, and mom's faith and dad's faith, and it will become a refuge for them, even though you are not here. So my encouragement at the very end is, you yourself as a parent need to live in the fear of the Lord and live like you're supposed to with wisdom. Pass that on to your children. And then when you aren't here, they will still find refuge in what you taught them as they live out the rest of their lives. And that is an amazing thing. Let's pray.